You're listening to Once, Episode 72, The Cricket Game. Welcome back to another episode of Once Podcast, the unofficial podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time, and we're sponsored in part by Simul TV. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. And I'm Jenny. And we're missing our friend Jeremy because right now we're still in Las Vegas recording right after the New Media Expo and the Consumer Electronics Show as well. And as you can probably tell from our voices and just the general sound, I don't have my regular setup And both of us had the Las Vegas cold. Yep. And because of the time zone difference, uh, we're in Pacific time now, and Jeremy is still back in Eastern time. It just doesn't work for him to be able to record with us. We tried several nights this week to record earlier. That's why we're releasing this episode late. So all of this stuff, this isn't the way it normally is. Hope that this is still great information for you. Before we move on to talk about the cricket game, I want to share with you some really exciting news about the podcast awards. Sadly, we did not win in the entertainment category because Rob has a podcast. If Rob didn't have a podcast, then we might have won the entertainment award and the podcast awards. But since Rob has a podcast, he won the entertainment awards. Big congratulations That's to him. That's actually the name of his podcast, Yes, too. it is. That's the name of his podcast. <laughs> He's a former... Um, I was going to say Lost Survivor, but no, it's uh, it's the other movie survivor. on an island, Gilligan's Island, um, Survivor, Survivor, Survivor. Yeah. Yes, he's a Survivor, Survivor. So he he won that <laughs> award, and congratulations to him. Our comedy podcast did not win in the comedy category. However, I was floored to discover that under the tech category at podcastawards.com, the Audacity to Podcast, my how-to podcast about podcasting and using Audacity, took first place to win the number one tech podcast award for 2012. I was floored by that and just really excited. I was so stunned. I didn't have anything prepared to say. Like I knew the ramen noodle wouldn't win. I thought once podcast had a really good chance, so I was prepared with something to say for if one's podcast won. But since the Audacity podcast won, I didn't know what to say. But you said what you said was really great. <laughs> yeah. And I, all the ladies afterwards were like, oh my gosh, your husband is so sweet. Because Daniel <laughs> uh, kind of honored me in his speech. He's his, his supporter. Yeah, so I think you can rewatch the awards video over at podcastawards.com. I will warn you, though, it is not totally clean. There's some profanity in it, just in some of the names of the podcast and mm-hmm. some stuff that we would consider not necessarily family friendly. That so watch out. Yeah, some some of the other categories and stuff. But you can check out podcastawards.com to see that. And thank you so much for voting for us because I really thank do you. believe that your support is what helped win one of these awards. Yep. Let's push for 2013 for that <laughs> entertainment award. Wow, you're already. You're, you're still ahead. You're getting ahead. Oh, yeah. I'll probably release a video about it soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, let's talk about the cricket game. We've watched this episode a couple times now. 
We did our initial reactions live from New Media Expo, and uh, these are our more in-depth thoughts, and we'll be incorporating some of your feedback into this Mm -hmm. as well as we talk about Cricket Game. This is the 10th episode in Season 2, and (laughs) it's finally back on TV uh, after this very long-feeling winter hiatus. Any hiatus that feels long. (laughs) Well, let's start talking with uh, about Enchanted Forest. One thing to set straight here, because just in case anyone's wondering this, I was trying to figure this out until I realized this point. Everything that we see happening happens after an apple red as blood. So where this makes sense is I was starting to think at the end of this episode when we learned that Queen Regina cannot do anything to um, hurt Prince Charming or Snow, I was thinking, well, what about the apple? But then I remembered, oh, the apple came before all of this. So just in case anyone else out there was a little bit confused like I was, then uh, that clarifies it. So um, we, we heard at the beginning King George's army was defeated. He has no army left, but he disappeared. And Regina seemed actually a little bit concerned about him. Did she? Yeah, she said when her soldiers came and we saw that view from above, and it wasn't really uh, any area that I recognized Mm -hmm. from Enchanted Forest. It it, it was on on the battle, like on the side of the battlefield, right? Right. There was definitely an army, some kind of war going on, and it looked like a defeated army. Burning village, burning What did she say about King George? She asked, well, when her soldiers came, and said, King George's army has fallen. And then she said, and what of King George? And they said, we don't know. Basically, mm. they, don't, they don't know where he is. And we don't know where he is because we know he survived yeah. by the fact that he's in Storybrooke. Yeah. So we don't know where. Um, but Maybe I, I, we'll find out later. Maybe not. Yeah. Do you he, feel like that's a, like a important, like, is that important to the plot? It could be. There Where might be some was. kind of backstory to King George. Mm. I really think that King George could come back as some kind of character to the story because he's in Storybrook. We know he was alive in Fairytale Land, so he's not dead. But uh, I think it also means that, hmm, that he, maybe he just went in hiding. Maybe so. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking that he did. Yeah, we'll find out more about him probably at some point. Yeah. I, now, here's something that I was thinking about on my third watching of this episode. They talk when the guards came to Regina, still in this first scene. They said King George's army has fallen. The kingdom, or he he said, um, the prince Snow White and the prince's army have defeated. King George, mm-hmm. the, the kingdom is now theirs. And I realized this is more than one kingdom. This is two kingdoms now. Does Regina have a kingdom? She had, remember, King Leopold. You can't be a king without a kingdom. Right. So that's, that's actually Snow's kingdom. Right. Okay. So they, now they banished her later in this episode. Yeah. Um, and... They, we know that then she could stay in this castle, which used to be Snow White's castle. Yeah. But I think that uh, they like banished her, basically saying you can still keep this castle, but 
this is your little thing. You no longer have a kingdom, which now makes so much more sense when you look back at the pilot episode and when evil queen burst into the wedding Mm -hmm. and someone said, it's the queen and snow and the prince both uh, said some things basically saying that, uh, no, she's not a queen anymore. She's already lost. Yeah. Now it makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. We got to see this side of it. Yep. So it's it's now a much bigger kingdom than it was even before because it's King Leopold's, which we have no idea how big that kingdom is. So did all the people from Snow White's kingdom move to um, Prince Charming's kingdom? Um, I don't think the people did. The people just... Prince Charming is now over King George's kingdom, right? Because they're living in his castle. Right. And... Over Snow White's kingdom, if I'm correct. In Are they close, this. do you think? Yeah, I think they're close. Oh, yeah, because she said, get my carriage, and, and she got there on the same day. Yeah, and remember when um, King George was about ready to execute Prince Charming, mm-hmm. Regina showed up, and King George just called her Regina. Right. So they obviously know neighbors. each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's probably what they so are. It Every now and then, King George goes over there, hey, can I borrow some sugar? <laughs> or, or a cup of milk. <laughs> Yeah. So it wouldn't be a huge difference for um, for the subjects of Regina's old kingdom slash Snow's kingdom to you know to suddenly turn their allegiance to Snow and Charming's kingdom since right. Charming is now the king of King George's kingdom. Right. Well, I just feel like I just said king a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> king and kingdom. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by kings. And kingdoms. <laughs> Own one today. Actually, you know, before we move on, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for one's podcast, okay. Simul TV. This is a sponsor that I absolutely love who's sponsoring one's podcast, Simul TV, which you can check out at oncepodcast.com slash Simul TV. That's S-I-M-U-L TV and test drive the next evolution in entertainment. This is an awesome thing. This is more than just streaming TV, although that is the core of their service. Let me explain a picture to you. And I'm going to use, actually, ironically, I'm going to use sports to help explain this picture. (laughs) Imagine you're watching a game of sports. You're in favor of one team. Your friend is in favor of the other team. But you two can't be together. You're at opposite ends of the country. So what do you do when your teams are playing against each other? You probably find yourself picking up the phone every few minutes and saying, Oh yeah, take that baby! Or, you know, whatever sports people like to say to their competitors. (laughs) And your friend is probably doing the same thing, or family, or whatever. And don't you wish that you could be right there watching it with them and just share that connection with them? Maybe just leave the phone line open, but then that kind of gets, yeah. What if you could actually see their faces when your team makes that touchdown and you see your friend's face drop as their team is losing, or you get to see them cheer in victory as their team is making points against you, yours? Well, you can do that with Simul TV because Simul TV is for simultaneous television. You can watch something with your friends or family anywhere in the world from any device that has an internet browser, your mobile device, your computer, your smart TVs, anything like that. You can watch the same programming, television, movies, uh, cooking channel, anything like that. Watch it together 
and see each other in either just audio, well, video is how you see each other, or you can just hear each other through audio, and you can share that experience with each other. This is fantastic because then you get to see their reactions to what's happening at the same time as you're reacting to it. If you're watching a TV show or a movie, you can see their jaw drop when that big reveal comes, or you can just have special moments. You could even do something um, very special like connecting with family members, connect with your children, and they can be watching uh, a video, an educational video like about elephants or animals or plants, and you can be talking with them and sharing and helping educate them through that. The possibilities for this are really limitless, but I think you're really going to love this service. Simul TV, visit it at oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V. That's oncepodcast.com slash Simul TV. It's free right now, and there will be a free version for quite a while, and you'll be able to test drive the next evolution in television watching. You'll be able to watch sports, uh, cooking channel, shopping channel, television programming, movies eventually, and so much more. And if there's something in that, uh, something that's not in Simul TV that you want to watch, then contact those people and let them know, I want to watch you on Simul TV. I really think you're going to love this service. I love what they're doing. And I know these people personally now. I've gotten to talk with the founders a lot and really found out what makes them tick. And I love their motivation for this. So check out oncepodcast.com slash simultv to test drive the next evolution in entertainment. That's oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L-T-V to visit Simultv. And thank you, Simultv, for your support. We really appreciate it. It was really cool to get to meet them. Yeah, and and get to try the product there because they just launched it Mm -hmm. this last Sunday. So we got to try it in person. Yeah, it's really cool. So thank you so much for your support. Yes, thank you, Simultv. Now, let's move on talking about... um, And Jenny, as we're going through this kind of chronologically based on what happened in the episode, let me know if uh, there's anything... I missed that you want to talk about, but, um, they, they capture, uh, not snow, (laughs) snow helps capture or trap Regina and they capture her with their fairy dust and, uh, send her into prison. The fairy is the one who caused this spell on her and it captured like everything except her head. Yeah. I thought that was really weird. (laughs) And this seems like maybe the same kind of spell they used to capture Rumpelstiltskin. Yeah, but it captured his head, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did capture it full body, and yeah. he completely could not move. Yeah, he couldn't. Um, just his mouth, he was able to move, and his eyes, but not even his head. And here, uh, I think it is the exact same spell that they used on the quill. Mm. And uh, I think now, that whole quill ink thing, by the way, Turned out, I think that never the ink never was the thing that actually imprisoned Rumple. It was always what the blue fairy enchanted. Yeah, and he just happened to have ink in his right. So. He wanted. He was placing that idea in the minds of the ink. The ink. The ink is important. The ink. And he told this little fib of the ink is what captured me, not the cur- not the spell. Well, now we know. Yeah, the spell definitely captured him, and captured Regina. And we later saw that it captured Pongo, too. Yeah. And it does wear off at some point as well. Mm-hmm. 
So Regina's in prison and her father comes to visit her. And I'm starting to question certain things about her father because he said he asked Regina's forgiveness because he failed to protect her. Maybe he's referring to protecting her from Cora. You think so? Maybe, because Cora is the one who's been like the negative influence in her life, aside from Ripple Stillskin. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that is that's a good way to look at it. Um, what I was kind of questioning is, is he saying, like, protect her from the consequences? Like, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't protect you from being caught kind of thing. I don't know. He's just very dedicated to her. And, and yeah, he's, he's, um, he's, he's a gentle leader. Yeah. So Cora like overpowered him a lot. So maybe that's what he's ashamed of. Yeah. Or he could just be like, why is he saying, I'm sorry, I didn't guide you better and teach you right from wrong or teach you to avoid doing all of these things. Well, that- I'm sure like from a parent's standpoint, that totally makes sense. But since we're not parents, we don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause whenever true. your children do bad things, the parents I've heard feel slightly responsible, you mm. know? Yeah. I've heard, I don't know from personal experience. We don't have kids yet. <laughs> So, well, someday if we have kids and one of them turns up to be an evil queen and gets caught and <laughs> we'll goes to jail. understand perfectly. Yeah. If anyone else out there has that same experience, <laughs> we would love to hear. Well, how would you feel would if you this feel? happened? <laughs> how would that make you feel? <laughs> well, Snow wants to save Regina or give Regina this chance. I love that about Snow. Yeah. She always expects the best out of people. I love that about her. Which... In some way, I think it's almost a um, romanticized, or not romanticized, but... Uh, she just wants to see the best in people. And she knew Regina before she was the evil queen. Yeah, but almost it's almost a glorified perspective of Regina, what Regina did. Because did, was Snow really in danger of dying on that horse? She was frightened. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I would be, I would be frightened of dying on the horse. Uh, that's... That's probably she probably Snow's wasn't perspective. an extremely experienced rider, mm-hmm. and I know how scary it is to be on the back of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> they're very big and they're very powerful. So well, yeah, I could see how she would be extremely scared and afraid of dying. I like what Snow and Charming had to say about the, uh, Regina's pastor. Then how Snow then corrects Charming. I've seen her kill. I've seen her terrorize. Every moment I've seen of her has been one of evil. Exactly. That you've seen. But I knew her before. I knew her when she was good. She saved my life when I was a little girl. That was years ago. She changed before. Why can't she change back? Sometimes it seems like Snow White is kind of naive. Mm-hmm. Because, because Regina is definitely set in her ways and she is a bitter woman. And yeah, it would be extremely, extremely hard for for the evil queen to have become reformed. So that's I think she was a little bit naive, but Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely naive. Yeah. And uh but, but it was it was cool. Like it was it was it was cool to see that. Like she was still holding out hope for Regina. Yeah. And that was cool. And she does have a great point. She mm-hmm. changed before. 
meaning to evil. Mm-hmm. Well, why can't she change again and mean yeah. back to what she was before? Now, this is many years later after yes. total bitterness. But I really like that this episode... <laughs> I, I, sorry, many times I feel like I'm a teenager. I really like this. <laughs> my voice is cracking because we're still getting over this cold. Yeah. Um, but I really liked how this episode focuses so much on redemption and trying to change and the the real struggles it is to change because we see that in Storybrooke, which we'll talk more about in a moment. But here in Enchanted Forest, we see the queen looks, is given this opportunity to change, but she rejects it and yeah. doesn't want to change at all. And then contrast that with Storybrooke where yeah. she's trying to change, but she's, uh, She's uh, nobody believes her. Yeah, they're, they're stealing the opportunity away from her to really. Or she's prove getting herself. it stolen from her by Cora. Yeah, yeah, being set up. <laughs> when Rumple showed up there in the courtyard, um, just after they attempted to shoot or execute Regina, and Snow stood up for her very you know, great thing there to do, and Snow saying, "This isn't the way," which. Mm, that's interesting there because I would say that, yes, they were pursuing justice. Mm-hmm. And he was the king. Mm-hmm. So, he yeah. He certainly they had, had the authority. Yeah, he did. They judged her accordingly. And I think they would have had every reason to put her to death. Yeah. But Snow still wanted to give her a chance. Yeah. And that is, that's noble of her. Mm-hmm. I really liked that. Yeah. And when Snow then is. In the uh, courtyard in the evening, and Rumpel shows up there. I I had to look closely and then realized what wee souvenir he was talking about when he said, "I even had my heart set on a wee souvenir." Do you see what it was? It was the blindfold, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I he thought took it was. That. He took that. I thought it was a pouch, and something was in the pouch. No, I I knew that he was holding the blindfold. That's actually what he got the hair from. Yeah, but. If he didn't get his souvenir, what was he wanting from... What what was he wanting to take from her execution? Oh, I don't know. Well, he... I really wonder what would he have done if they'd have killed Regina? He would have had to have come up with a new plan. Yeah. So he manipulated his way out of getting Regina killed. Mm -hmm. He's no... He's so sneaky. He's so sneaky. (laughs) He's so sneaky. He definitely wanted Regina alive because... He needs Regina in order to enact the curse. And we see now how he finally convinced her to enact it. Yeah, he's so, like, he's so cool and calm about getting what he wants. And he's so, like, manipulative, if that's even a word. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's so good. I mean, he's, he's, how old is he? Uh, About 300 years, Yeah, so he's had a long time to get good at this. He's very, very good at it. Yeah, he has been a student of human behavior for mm-hmm. a long time, so he knows very well how to manipulate He's people. He's very cunning. But at this thought of giving Regina a chance, I love his reaction. <laughs> Regina redeemed. What a novel thought. <laughs> <laughs> well... But He's that's, so theatrical. <laughs> yeah, but that's ultimately what... Regina, I think, I think Regina still has a chance at being redeemed, even though the direction, like in Storybrooke, that is, mm-hmm. even though we see this direction, she's seeming to go. 
I think she's still going to have that one last chance, but really, I'm sorry, people. I think she's going to have to die. I think she's, I mean, not have to, but I think she's going to die. And that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be her final redemption thing. Uh, And she'll be remembered for her sacrifice. Well, I have predictions, but I will save them for later. (laughs) Okay, yeah. But, uh, I have predictions. So too. then what will Rumpelstiltz can do? Yeah. But I mean, he's done with Regina. Really? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. She's just, she's keeping everybody. She's a distraction right now mm-hmm. for him. So people will leave him alone. I think that's what she's doing for him right now. It, you're saying in Enchanted Forest? In Storybrook. Forest. In Storybrook. Okay. In Storybrook. I feel like she is his, she's the distraction that he's using to hide behind. Yeah. So the more in trouble he gets her in, or the more the more trouble she gets herself in, the less people are going to be looking at him. Yeah. So yeah. I think she's she's still doing him good. Mm-hmm. I think he's still using her. Now, I was trying to figure out, jumping to when uh, Snow came to Regina to offer Regina and to do that little test. Um, actually, no, I want to back up because, Jenny, I know you wanted to talk about this. Um, the deal that Rumpelstiltskin made with Snow White we're not quite clear on the details. No, no, that was never that. Like he, he was very. What we saw was very vague. Mm-hmm. But it ended up that he, he um, he probably said if she fails the test, banish her with this protection spell. Which, actually, I'm wondering if the if the protection spell was temporary as well. Because it wouldn't have to last for their entire lives. It wouldn't have to be that powerful because he knew the curse would be enacted hmm. soon. So I'm wondering if he just said this protection spell is for life because he knew that their lives there wouldn't be that long. Maybe. So I'm just wondering. Well, I realized uh, re-watching this episode that the conversation was cut short. Uh, just production choice and you know, yeah. leaving us hanging, not knowing about the knife and all of that. Yeah. So they still had a conversation that led to the knife and led to the details mm-hmm. about what the deal actually was. Yeah. So we can probably assume that it meant based on what's happened, that it meant the price was snow gives Regina this chance and banishes Regina. Mm-hmm. If she fails, if she succeeds, then releases Regina into recovery or, or so something he, like that. So he knew Regina would not, she, she would not pass the test. Yeah. He probably knew that. Yeah. Because he sees the future. Especially after what Regina did at the execution. Yeah, that was pretty awful. Because he started smiling <laughs> as Regina turned. He was like, my pupil. Yeah. I'm so proud. <laughs> or maybe he was thinking, yes, this one will be great for enacting my curse. Mm-hmm. Or... Something like that. Yeah. But uh, the the spell, I, I had to watch closely to try and figure out how is this protection spell actually enacted. And it must have been on the knife, like whoever touches the knife. Because I realized Snow and Charming were both wearing gloves. Regina uh, was not wearing gloves when she grabbed the knife from Snow's hand. I think I think it was... He, he took a hair. So I think... I think he made a potion with her hair, made Charming and Snow drink the potion, and if Regina tried to hurt them, then it wouldn't work. I think that's what the protection spell was. I don't think it was an item, because if it wasn't the knife, then she could have hurt them with anything. 
Maybe, but I think... Like, she wouldn't... She, she, if she found out that it was just the knife that was keeping her from killing Snow, she would definitely have picked up something else. Oh, no, I think the knife had the curse or the, the spell on it. No, I... So th- that whoever touched the knife would then not... Well, hmm, I, think, I see your point. I think the, the protection spell was in Snow and in Charming. Already. You're yeah. saying when Snow walked up definitely. there, she was already Yes, okay. yes. Here, well... Let me go ahead and explain what I was thinking, okay. but now I'm kind of questioning it based on what you're saying, but okay. I'll go ahead and share this. I was thinking that the knife was actually enchanted in some way, very similar to how the quill was enchanted, mm-hmm. and that Rumple wasn't actually bound by the spell in the quill until he used it. So I'm thinking also the knife was enchanted in the same way, and the knife was kind of the test itself, so that if Regina passed the test, she would have never used the knife against Snow. But since Regina did not pass the test, she used the knife, and therefore the spell was cast, the protective spell. But then again, you are... That sounds really complicated. Yeah, you are bringing up the great point of, well, Rumpel said the hair, or uh, Charming said they used a hair from her blindfold. Yeah. In order to make the spell. And so then she didn't really need to be a part of it. So yeah, I'm thinking now I'm I'm wrong. But it it, it could still be possible. But I think, yeah, your explanation is simpler. Makes more sense. And, you know, Occam's razor, all things, theories being equal, the simpler one is probably the more accurate one. (laughs) Watch Contact if you want to see Occam's razor used (laughs) ad nauseum. (laughs) Now, um... Did you notice also the cut, even in Snow's clothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Kind of healed itself? Yeah, it did. Yeah, that was cool. I didn't catch that the first or second time. It really. was magic. <laughs> it's magic. And both Snow and Charming emphasized the parts in this land. Yeah. When they said it, which was kind of odd for them to say it, but they probably just said it kind of like... Uh, like we say things like in this lifetime or in this universe or, you know, stuff like we say like that. And that to them to say in this land, that's like for us to say on this planet, you know, well, on this planet, you can only have one cookie with dinner or <laughs> something like that. What if I go to a different planet, mommy? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, was, I don't even think, I don't even think snow and charming were, considering that Regina would send them to another land. I don't think they even thought that was a possibility. Right. Um, did they even know about other lands? Um, I'm sure they did. I just thought, I, I, I think they were just like, well, like, like, like the curse would be too big and too extreme. Like they weren't even considering. I mean, they're, they're yeah. good minded people. Yeah. Like they, they, they couldn't even fathom something so evil. <laughs> oh yeah, no. A lot of people couldn't have. Yeah. Um, because even Regina in the pilot episode, she didn't say, "I'm going to take you to a different land." Yeah. She said, "Your happy ending will yep. be ripped from you." It's in at the end of the pilot when the curse is actually hitting. Someplace horrible. Says, yeah, where are we going? <laughs> Someplace horrible. <laughs> where the only happy ending will be mine. <coughs> Excuse me. Anything else to say about Enchanted Forest before we move on? Nope, that's all I've got. Okay. Listeners, by the way, we love your feedback, and we've got some feedback here to share with you 
on uh, some of these different points. Yeah, and some of the feedback actually inspired inspired some things for me. <laughs> but I'll share that later. And um, I, I'm just quickly checking to make sure. Inspired and some thoughts. <laughs> most of the feedback is actually about Storybrooke, which is where most of our conversation will be as well. There's yeah. one message A here. A lot of this episode. Over. Oh, this came from Vanessa. Saying, hi all, I absolutely love your podcast. I watch the round table as I also listen to the ladies on AfterBuzz TV, so it was fun to see everyone share their thoughts together. I've been thinking about Cora, Regina, and Redemption. Cora, mommy sociopath, and as stated sarcastically by Herc, mother of the year, destroyed Regina's life by killing Daniel and turned her into the evil queen as we know and love in the Enchanted Forest. Cora provided fantastic motherly advice. Love is weakness. But Emma proved with her magic, no, love is strength, and defeated Cora in the present enchanted forest. Yeah. Redemption for someone who has ruined so many lives, either by killing them or by other means, uh, in other words, banishing them to another realm, is a long, hard road. It requires an inner strength that most do not have unless they have a reason for it. Regina had Henry, but now he is gone. If you read the uh, uh, A-S-O-I-A-F books, I, now my mind slipped on what that actually stands for, but the people who know probably know it too. Um, there is a character who is on that road, and the result has not yet been realized, but I can say so far it has been long and painful. I love Regina as the evil queen, especially those fantastic costumes, and I always love some crazy in my TV. We know the main reason why she hates Snow, but it enrages her to see what Snow and Charming have, because that is what she should have had with Daniel. Not me, the, the other Daniel. She's just an angry woman. Sadly, we see this exact scenario play out as a result of Cora, but with other true love, Henry. So now Regina can hate the next generation of Charmings as well. In other words, Emma. Did, uh, did Regina name Henry Jr. Henry? Did she name mm-hmm. her son Henry Henry? Yeah. We learned that from the second episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Rumpelstiltskin, or Mr. Gold said, Henry, that's a, 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 a whatever he said about the name, but he said, yeah. however, did you pick it? <laughs> Just kind of rubbing that in. Yeah. And uh, Vanessa shared some other things, too, a little bit more related to Storybook. But thank you, uh, Vanessa, very much for that email. Thanks, Vanessa. Yeah, the the costumes were great. I I would have liked it if we'd seen or realized that Regina, at that last scene in Enchanted Forest, was wearing the same exact costume that she was wearing in the pilot episode. Yeah, do you remember that moment whenever we saw in the pilot episode Charming, um, Rumpelstiltskin waved whatever, his hand, and, and turned oh, yeah. and, and gave Charming his, his outfit. That was in the finale. That was actually. in the finale, yeah. but um, but then that was supposed to be right before he went and found the snow and kissed her and woke her up and everything. Yeah. But <clears throat> it was cool to see how, like, how consistent they were with that, mm-hmm. with the outfits. So, yeah, I agree. It would have been really nice to see... Um, Regina wearing the same outfit on the day of the wedding as we saw in the pilot episode. But then again, perfectly understandable that she may have changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's I'm no doubt change she changed. Into my wedding outfit. But it just would have been really cool for her to be like <laughs> in her castle whenever Rumpelstiltskin came up to her and just said, oh, "I told you I was your friend," and, <laughs> and 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 she would already be you know in that outfit. Maybe not mm. the cape or the headpiece, but it, her hair was the same way. And I'm guessing they did that on purpose. Mm. But she didn't have the little headpiece, and she didn't have her cape, and she wasn't even wearing the same dress. I would have loved to have seen her in the same dress, at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, she probably changed, deciding, oh, this isn't appropriate. I've got to dress up for this occasion. (laughs) This is going to be my big day. (laughs) I've got to wear a different shade of black. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, this dress was blue that we saw her in. Was it? Yeah, it was a very dark blue. We've seen her in that dress before. Uh, I think in... The heart is a lonely hunter when the huntsman first came. I think she, no, but I, I'm pretty sure we've seen her in this blue dress. I just can't remember now which episode, but mm-hmm. one of the people out there who loves her wardrobe will be able to tell us probably. <laughs> um, now, moving on to Storybrooke. Um, well, actually, before we move on to Storybrooke, I want to thank uh, David Newland and uh, please forgive me if I mispronounce this. Hamdad Rashid Amran for sponsoring this episode wow. of Hans Podcast. Uh, you guys have been like co-producers with us to help make this episode possible. And we really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Yeah, David and Hamdan. Or, uh, yeah, Thanks, that's David and Hamdan. <laughs> Hamdan. Hamdan. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for sponsoring. And if anyone else would like to donate to support an episode or several <laughs> episodes of Once Podcast, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor now moving on to storybrook lasagna <laughs> yes i'm i was at first i was really suspicious because they 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 took the time to show you the empty pan where the lasagna was i i think that was to just to just help make it more clear to us that regina really is reformed and there was nothing wrong with the lasagna mm-hmm I think that's what they were trying. At first, I was like, oh, they're showing us the pan. I think there was something bad in it, <laughs> yeah. just to prove to us that everybody ate it. And I was like, what's going to happen to everybody? But I think it was um, <clears throat> I think it was to actually show us that there was nothing wrong with it. And Regina really is reformed. Yeah. And I think it was a slight step from everyone else toward acceptance that they ate yeah. her lasagna. Because yeah. you know what it's like. Someone shows up to a party, they bring something. If that person isn't liked, well, probably no one will eat yeah. their thing. Well, yeah. I don't know. I would, if it would look good. Yeah, well... <laughs> I don't care who brought it. If it well, looks if you, good, if I'll eat it. If you don't it. like a person enough, you won't have anything to do right. with whatever they make. And we're, So we're talking about an extreme scenario, yeah. and this certainly is an extreme scenario. Yeah. And yet... <laughs> Everyone did eat it. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think that is a little bit of a, a step. For <laughs> I love how, grump, how grumpy's so blunt. He's like, <laughs> what's the secret ingredient? Poison. <laughs> yeah, in Regina's face. <laughs> Red pepper flakes. Gives it a little kick. <laughs> I loved that exchange. It was so funny. We don't see Grumpy often talk to Regina, do we? Uh, not <clears> much. <throat> I mean, he's the guy who wanted to take an axe to yeah, her. Yeah, but we've never seen them actually like interact with each other mm-hmm. which is funny because they're both so blunt and so angry all the time yeah <laughs> yeah not they have interacted a couple times have but they yeah not just not very often i just guess i'm just forgetting yeah not nearly as much as other characters have <clears throat> um 
before this scene actually was when actually how the episode started mm-hmm. with hook and <laughs> i love the contrast where it's like dashing hook and someone i think in one of the feedback voice ma- emails or voicemails <laughs> said something like hook looks so <laughs> attractive uh upon the ship and the way that he jumped down it was like this heroic and his like, music da, 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 da. Is playing. yeah dun, da, 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 dun. he jumps down and then he reaches over and helps out Core. Yeah, she's so like, she's so proper, and like she even has her little umbrella. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, the umbrella. Um, someone mentioned to us, doesn't that kind of remind you of Mary Poppins? Mm, I hadn't thought of it. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> crazy because Mary Poppins would always walk around with her umbrella. Yeah, she's and Regina or Cora is too. I guess they do kind of carry their, themselves in the same way like remember how mary poppins was like practically perfect in every way <laughs> and cora has that kind of like i don't know what we call that pride pride or, yeah she has this inner pride yeah. and she's just like if cora says spoonful of sugar <laughs> i'm gonna stop watching <laughs> oh gosh no, not quite um but they have the scene and there's a tiny little detail that a few of our listeners have caught on to oh and sent me some really interesting information about did you notice the swans? I did notice the swans. There were two of them. I only saw the one. Um, well, there were two different shots. And the first shot, you see two swans. The second shot, you only see one swan. And it's it the makes... second shot, shot where it's it stays longer. Yeah. So that's probably how you notice that It makes that me more. think of the Swan Princess. Yeah, Swan Was Princess. Was that a Disney, Disney movie? Uh, the Swan Princess? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Because not that I'm thinking about Disneyland... They don't have her as a princess, so I'm guessing that's from a different company. Hmm. Well, um, we got an interesting email in from Mai, <laughs> I think, who gave us hugs and kisses too Aww. with the email XOXO, yes. saying, uh, "So I'm gonna, <coughs> I'm going to assume she's a girl." <laughs> she said, "I thought this episode was amazing. What is your opinion of the swans that appeared in the first scene with Hook?" They were put there for a reason. A friend of mine posted this, but I want your thoughts. And here are her points, or her friend's points that she's sharing with us. Swans are freshwater birds. That bay is saltwater. Because remember, this is supposed to be in Maine, Uh coastal town. Swans are not nocturnal. This happens at night. Oh. If a swan isn't meant to be in a shot on a show, then they shoo them away or they edit them out. The birds were deliberate. Mm-hmm. Swans mate for life. They are symbols of transformation, change, and love. Our heroine's last name is Swan. Mm-hmm. She has a serious connection with Captain Hook. Yeah. Do you and think they're just trying to like, connect Hook and Emma? Well, like- the mating for life thing makes me think of it. Neil. Yeah, it makes me Not think of the other two. Do you think they're trying to like, subliminally um, link the two together, Hook and Swan? Could be, yeah. And uh, uh, Mai continues here. Mai? I don't know. Sorry. If, if you have any name other than like John Smith, Let me see. a pronunciation would really help me, unless you just enjoy hearing me mispronounce these names. Oh, it's M-A-I-I. Yeah. Mai. 
I repeat, the swans were deliberately placed. Yeah. And they are foreshadowing. I won't, and this is her continuing, by the way, I won't be convinced otherwise. There's no way to explain them away. Maybe they're from the Enchanted Forest somehow. Mm, could be. Or, and they're trapped as well. They're, um, remember the parable of the ugly duckling by mm. Hans Christian Andersen? Yes. Well, it turned out that the, spoiler alert, by the way, the spoiler. ugly duckling is actually a swan. And so Sorry to spoil that ah! for you. <laughs> Fairy tale spoilers. <laughs> and um, the whole Little Mermaid story was a Hans Christian Andersen story oh, as well. Yeah. So this could just be a nod to that or like ugly duckling kind of thing. But uh, Mai continues saying, and I want to know your opinion of Hook this episode. It's my opinion that he wants to be free of Korra. It's the first thing he says, and then Korra tells him about the magic, so he's stuck with her for the time being. Mm -hmm. He saved the fish's life. Uh, I think he just kicked it into the water. Yeah, he was on the dock. Yeah, Fish don't belong on docks. <laughs> he, he was very unimpressed with what Korra did to his ship. His, well, aren't you mom of the year? And if you notice, the moment Cora says she got him a gift, he looks worried for a split second. <laughs> then the facade is back up. Mm. All this episode, I could just feel the loathing towards Cora, and I wanted to know your thoughts on that. Thanks. I agree. I think he's ready to part ways with her. I think he's got a, a healthy, a healthy like fear for her because mm -hmm. he realizes how powerful she is. And I think he's... Yeah, I think he's afraid of her, and I think he's ready to get away from her. Because he was saying, well, it looks like we're in a part ways. And, and he was kind of neutral about expressing that. Yeah. I, I would describe his face as it looks like a constant sigh of frustration or annoyance. <laughs> Around her. Yes. Like Around especially Emma, though, it was very different. Because yeah. he was more expressive. He was happier. Around, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it. <laughs> around uh, the beginning, when he helped Cora off the boat, I think is the first time you can really see this in the episode, early on, even, that it just looks like he's like, <sighs> right when he's helping her off. And uh, I, listeners, I'd love to know what you think about this, too. <laughs> is he a screenshot of that face. <laughs> while he was well, some off. of these expressions like that, you just can't get in a single screenshot. It has to be in a a video in order to really catch it. Oh. But I, I agree. I think that he is he's tired sort of, of her. He's sort of her, her prisoner. <laughs> I bet he's, I bet he considers himself a prisoner with her. Yeah. He's not completely free. Mm -hmm. Now the, um, Cora's magic. Cora could tell magic was in storybook. I bet she could sense it. Yeah. Which makes me wonder <laughs> Did she come expecting that court, that magic wasn't in Storybook? Um, Probably, because she told Hook <laughs> that Rumpelstiltskin wouldn't have magic. She was probably prepared for either one. Well, I wonder what was she planning to do if she didn't have magic? I wonder if she had some way of maybe bringing magic back. Well, she's a very commanding individual. She probably yeah. would have used her, her influence and just her commanding presence mm -hmm. to roll over people she wasn't affected by magic uh emma wasn't i mean by the curse that is yeah. emma wasn't affected by the curse both of them have magic but we haven't seen them try to use magic in storybook before the curse was broken although emma well i think we've seen a couple possibly you know magic what's scary from her 
I think it's scary the fact that Cora can leave Storybrooke. I think Cora can leave Storybrooke. Oh, yeah. Cora th- and Hook can leave Storybrooke because they weren't affected by the curse. Yeah, I think so, too. I think now the four people who weren't affected by the curse who could possibly leave Cor- Storybrooke, Cora, Hook, uh, Emma. August. August, and maybe a fifth, Jefferson. Henry. Henry. Oh, Henry? Yeah. Um, maybe Jefferson? I don't know. I maybe think, Regina. I think Jeff... Uh, I don't I don't think Jefferson and Regina can leave. It would, I would think Regina more than Jefferson, but those are kind of side characters about yeah. that line at this well, point. Well, Rumpelstiltskin can't even leave. So but why he would, was why affected Re- by the curse. Was Regina? No. Regina hmm. was conscious of everything the whole time. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. She didn't get a fake life. Right. Fake memories. And neither did Jefferson. You're right. His curse was to remember everything. Huh. But he couldn't leave his house until Emma showed well, up. Well, that's debatable. Well, Depending he said on he was he trapped meant. in his house for yeah. 28 years. Uh, mm. Which also explains why. He did have that telescope. Yeah, he was spying on everybody. And but, I mean, that could just say that he's a, a super good... He's just good at stalking people. Yeah, he's just a creep. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jefferson fans. But with magic being in Storybrooke, Cora brings up this point to Hook. Magic is here, and that makes matters a bit more complicated. If you go off half-cocked after an empowered rebel still skin, do you know what'll happen? Clearly, Hook's gonna die mm. if he goes against Rumpelstiltskin at this yep. point. And I still wonder, I... I think he will probably die. He'll probably fail at attacking Rumpelstiltskin. I hope not. I like Hook. <laughs> I like Hook a lot. Maybe they'll become friends. Maybe Hook will help him find Bay. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe... Yeah, right. <laughs> Emma will... <laughs> doubtful. Maybe Emma will somehow convince Hook not to... But then, maybe like, so. Neil... Or maybe Neil and Hook go face-to-face. Or, mm. I, I don't know fight over emma <laughs> and so does graham's ghost comes oh gosh <laughs> i'm just doing people things. in the chat room are probably angry at you for saying that name <laughs> yeah. we shall only say his name in reverence oh regina said emma's name for the first time like yeah. emma she said emma yeah, she didn't definitely say miss did swan say yeah because she yeah. usually says miss swan and we'll we'll get to that scene more in a moment there, oh. there are a couple just other things i want to mention um that little sailor guy that came up and was like all jolly and saying hi guys welcome and stuff he referred to uh, pescatorian creatures and pescatorian just for clarification because i thought oh is this a big clue or something in case anyone else out there is wondering pescatarian pescatorian a pescatarian actually pescatarian is a kind of vegetarian who sometimes they're called pesco vegetarians um, that they eat only vegetables, fruits, nuts, beans, and fish or invertebrate sea uh, food. Mm. But they don't eat eggs or milk or stuff like that. So they're basically a vegetarian who eat fish also. So that's no special clue or any yeah. hint or anything there. I was kind of hoping it would be because that's an awfully big word mm-hmm. for a, a like a a fisherman. But he was turned into a purple goldfish. I mean, a purple, a purple fish, which made me think purple of... Purple is in the color or is in the type of fish? The, the color. He was purple? Yeah, it looked purple. Huh. Purplish. Which made me think of a book out there that's actually called um, 
uh, something or other purple goldfish, which is about customer service and stuff, but it's completely unrelated to this point. Interesting. So just in case anyone's wondering about the color, I don't think it has anything to do with anything. Oh, I didn't notice that it was purple. Um, speaking about other random things, Pongo was in the title screen in this episode. And the way that they made it is he kind of walked behind a tree, but it was one of those things that you see people do where they take two recordings where they go behind a tree and then they paste in another recording. So it looks like the tree is some kind of portal and you don't see them come out the other side of the tree. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Well, Pongo did that in the title screen. He walked around behind a tree and then came back around and he had something in his mouth. Did he? Yeah. Now it looked like just a toy. Oh. So probably no hint or anything there. They was probably it the just... dream catcher? No, it looked like um, a little rope toy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so uh, I don't think anything interesting there. But uh, we come to before this party happened, <laughs> when Henry and Emma walked in <laughs> on Snow and Charming being married. Being very married. (laughs) It's impressive that we can still provide her with a few traumatic childhood memories at this stage of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Well, that apartment doesn't really provide a whole lot of privacy. No. Because the bedroom is visible from the kitchen. It is. Everything is just wide open. Studio style apartment. Pretty much. much. Very big studio style apartment. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> Poor Henry. What are you guys still doing in bed? It's yeah. noon. <laughs> the look on Emma's face. Like, oh my gosh, she knew exactly what was happening. <laughs> I will have a screenshot of <laughs> I'm this. I'm gonna go make tacos. <laughs> I have a screenshot of this in the show notes at oncepodcast.com <laughs> slash seventy two. But the the price, I mean the look on Emma's face is just absolutely priceless because she's <laughs> just got this. <laughs> Look on her Henry's face. Henry's like, oh, what are you guys doing in bed? It's not I'm... time for sleeping. And Emma's all like, Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. I wish I hadn't seen that. Funny. And yeah. uh, parents out there who are listening with your kids, this is a great opportunity for your kids to ask you, Mommy, what are they talking about? <laughs> I'll leave that to you. Oh, gosh. I know a lot of families listen to this together. And I receive emails frequently from people saying, thank you for keeping it clean. Because it means our family can listen. And keep in mind, they're married, 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 married. They were being married. Married is good. And uh, let's see. Moving on from that. (coughs) (laughs) People in the chat room are like, awkward. (laughs) Yes, very awkward. (laughs) David at the party, I think, spoke for all of us when he gave that toast Because so many people have said they've heard enough of the, I will always find you. And I think it's cute. I do too. It's, you know, couples will have this. Jenny and I have certain things that we say and do with each other. Little sayings, little funny things that we say and do. And if anyone else watched us, like if we were a TV show and anyone else watched us, they'd probably be like, enough with this. We're getting tired of it. Stop saying that. So couples do have little, little remarks that they pass back and forth and mean something to them and i will always find you means something very special to charming and and uh, snow Mm -hmm. but it was great i think that 
Charming did say it nicely and represented many of the fans when he said, Mary Margaret and I, we have a saying that we will always find each other. And while I believe that with all my heart, I'd like you all to raise your glasses and join me when I say, here's to not having to look for a while. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Mm. And we hope that's the way it is. And I think that maybe we're finally moved beyond the whole splitting of Emma, I mean, Snow and Prince Charming. Yeah. If they get split up again, that would just be awful. Because, mm. yes, they've had to look for each other a lot. And and Snow even said, is this how it's always going to be for us? Yeah. Remember, I think that was in the fiery room or something. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, um, did you notice he called her Mary Margaret instead of Snow White or Snow? Um, no, I didn't actually, because they're both. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I, it's, it's, they just all have two names and I've come, I've come to accept that. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff about like home. What is home for them? Uh-huh. Like even granny referred to making meatloaf yeah. at home. <laughs> and at home in the enchanted forest or at home in Storybrooke? At home, the enchanted forest, uh, yeah. because she was saying yeah. it was in response to Emma saying, I'm glad to finally cook something I didn't have to kill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, which one is going to be home for them? I really think Storybrooke will be their home, but we've talked about that many I, times before. I'd like to see them go back to the Enchanted Forest. That's home. That's their home. I'd like to see them all go back. Ultimately, I think we will at some point, but it might be a long ways from now, or it might be a choice. That would be the ultimate hap- happy ending. Could be, or well, in my opinion, like it could be. Some of them do choose to go back, and they get to be home again. Yeah, but and then some of them choose <laughs> to make Storybrooke their home. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, Red will actually get to go to Boston. <laughs> yeah, in the fall. Maybe <laughs> yeah, that's the best time to go to Boston. <laughs> so yeah, now we get to the spot that you mentioned, uh, Jenny. Of Regina did call Emma. Emma. She did. It's in the subtitles. Says Emma, Emma, not just M, but it is actually Emma. Yeah, I think that was to help us see that she really is changing, that she's becoming less of a um of a bitter and calloused individual because mm-hmm. she's she's referring to Emma not as, you know, swan because <clears throat> that's less personal. Right. Yeah, so I think that's helped. That really helped to show that her tender side is coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is really trying. She and is. at that party before she got up and left, you could see she was just sitting there, looking around, seeing everyone was having fun, mm-hmm. talking, and she just felt left out and decided, "I'm just going to leave." Yeah, I better go. Yeah, but it was good of her to come. And she was thankful that she was invited, even though she knew it was awkward. She still came, and I'm sure she expected it would be awkward and expected the uh, hard feelings from other people. But it was great that she came, that she is trying so hard, which makes this whole episode so terrible on her. Mm -hmm. Because she Nobody believes her. Nobody believes her. And this whole episode was all about her changing. Like whenever she was talking to Dr. Hopper on the pier and Ruby went, she she interrupted, and after that she said, "You are lucky I've changed." So this whole episode was just, just 
um, definitely making it clear that Regina has changed. But it's sad that nobody believes her, and at the first sight of trouble, everyone looks at Regina. Mm-hmm. And Cora, mother of the year, <laughs> decides, no, Regina isn't broken yet. She needs to be broken. Cora is the supervillain of yeah. this season. Just, oh. Here's Regina. She's, She's on the road to redemption. Genuinely trying. And making things right. Yeah. Even though they are very, very hard. Yes, some things upset her. Mm-hmm. Totally justified for her to be upset about yeah. some of these things. Change doesn't happen overnight. And she was, it seems she was genuinely concerned that Archie was killed. Like, yeah. not just like, what, you blame me? But yeah. she was actually like, no. She's getting her heart back. Yeah. She she was concerned. Not like, no, I'm not going to say there was any romantic feeling no, whatsoever. No, she just was genuinely like concerned. and a friend. And, yeah, like yeah. she cared about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he was being helpful to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, she trusted him. <laughs> yeah. She has been trusting him, and she reminded him of that. But um, when... Yeah, at the at the uh, dock there mm-hmm. when they were talking, and Ruby came <laughs> up. I loved. Uh, well, Regina keeps calling Archie Bug. Yeah, whenever uh, she doesn't like him, that's so condescending. <laughs> bug. Well, you tell me, Bug. <laughs> but uh, she said several <laughs> great lines. Doctor. Doctor. Need I remind you, you got your PhD from a curse. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> Harsh, but true. <laughs> Which is very similar to, remember Dreamy, when um, the bossy dwarf yes. said, uh, you're going to take doctor advice from someone who got his PhD from an axe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very, very similar there. And there are also some other correlations in this episode that we'll get to in a moment yeah. uh, with past episodes. But also Regina's saying to Ruby, go take yourself for a walk. I loved that. I loved (laughs) that. And just Ruby's like, whoa. (laughs) I loved Ruby's reaction to that. It was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I know in the initial reactions, I theorized that maybe that was Cora disguised as Ruby. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't see the need of it anymore because Cora and Hook were spying on Regina when she talked to Emma outside the diner. Do you think they'll make it really obvious when Cora is parading around as somebody else? I think so. I think so, too. I, I think so, too. I wouldn't expect this to be a common thing for her to shapeshift as someone else. And so we, I don't think we need to start looking at every person as being a possible Cora. Yeah. yeah. Only maybe significant people who start acting... Oddly. When I saw this episode, I was I was kind of like, oh, great. I was going to start being paranoid that Cora could be everybody. Like, And I was starting to think, oh, she was Prince Charming at that time. And she was Emma at this time. And she was <laughs> she was Ruby at this time. But I really think, I, I'm really thinking they're going to make it a little obvious mm-hmm. that uh, Cora is shape-shifting. Yeah. Into this, and that she is being someone else. And they did. They made it obvious because of Pongo and because of Ruby. Like, Ruby smelled the difference. She yeah. smelled the difference, and so did Pongo. Well, and, and Ruby, I think the first time we saw this, and um, when 
Ruby saw Regina walking to Dr. Hopper's office. Ruby had that kind of odd look. Yeah, like, what's going on? The first time we saw that, I was thinking that was because Ruby witnessed the fight earlier, and she was just thinking, huh, Regina's going to see Dr. Hopper. Yeah, I thought that too. I think I think both of those things were going through her mind, and I thought maybe, I think maybe she was like, well, that's weird, and she smells weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now looking back on it a couple times later, uh, yeah, we get that thing of Ruby probably detected something, smelled yes. it. And a couple of our listeners wrote the same thing in, too, to uh, point that out, that they thought that Ruby maybe detected the mm-hmm. difference. I think she did. And can Ruby understand dogs? No. Well, I mean, because she... Partially. She, she was like, something's wrong, and she was like all up close to Pongo and like she could definitely sense, I mean, remember um, Emma said, Oh yeah. Wolf thing. Yeah. So do you think, you know, how, how, how do you think that works? I don't think she can like speak wolf. Yeah. Cause otherwise she would have spoke, she would have spoken to Pongo and gotten you know his side of the story. They would have never needed Rumpelstiltskin. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I think it's just, um, she can sense that something's wrong in Pongo. Yeah. In a sense, she's now an instant dog whisperer. She <laughs> she instantly knows exactly what feelings dogs are having. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, Timmy fell down the well kind of thing. <laughs> but it's something is wrong. Yeah. And Pongo, I mean, maybe in some way she communicated to Pongo, show us, and Pongo takes them there. I doubt she communicated with him. Yeah. I think I think he just knew what to do, being a smart dog. Mm-hmm. But she, I think she did sense that something was wrong. And Pongo helped take care of 101 Dalmatians. He's a smart dog. <laughs> he was a smart dog. <laughs> she can keep up with that many kids. You are smart. Yeah. Um, so uh, back to when Archie was supposedly killed. I think, really, we should never have suspected that he was actually killed. Because when Cora, disguised as Regina was choking Archie, mm-hmm. there was all the purple smoke. I think she... When does Cora use purple smoke? She, she uses it to teleport. Yeah. So you think that she just held him up and took him away mm-hmm. and then brought back somebody and made him look like Dr. Hopper? Yeah. Because if she was choking him, there's no need to use magic to yeah. choke someone. Certainly it, no need for purple smoke. It with kills me that Emma... <laughs> nice words dropped the uh, dream catcher probably moments before the magic happened like moments before the real evidence came out in that memory that or i know we're jumping scenes but this is about this scene that or when you watch <laughs> closely this is all from pongo's eyes yeah and even the cam- camera angle is nice the last <laughs> thing that you see just when emma drops it is actually Cora's throwing her hands out and freezing Pongo. So it could also be that's when the memory stopped. I didn't notice that. Yeah. You do see Cora's hand or Regina's, you know, Cora disguised as Regina. You do see her hand there. And that's that moment when Pongo was frozen, but uh, it could either be that's when Pongo stopped seeing things or when uh, Emma just dropped the um, the dream catcher out of just the the emotions, the the hard mental act she was doing of using magic. Well, like she that. wasn't being a very thorough police officer by dropping the evidence before 
She saw the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely should have watched the whole thing. And if she would have, then she might have seen the magic. Yeah. Uh, she would have seen the magic. But smoke. she was if emotionally Pongo invested in this person. Yeah. So. So I, I think it could be both things. It could be just one thing. Yeah. But uh, so that purple smoke should have been a giveaway that, no, he's not dead. He was just taken somewhere. Yes. And some random guy then brought in his place. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if they reveal who it was that she brought in place of Archie Hopper. I don't know. Maybe it was... I have a theory about that. Oh? But I will share that in a little bit. Okay. The next day, when Pongo then is coming doing his barking thing, mm -hmm. and... Regina, or Emma and Henry are having hamburgers and fries for breakfast because Emma said it's time for school and the bus buses don't take kids around for lunch breaks. So this was maybe in the they morning. do in Storybrooke, <laughs> but she said Henry's age, eleven years old. Mm -hmm. So it has definitely been about a year yeah. in Storybook. And I think that what they're doing, and this is good, I think what they're doing is, in general, the Storybook timeline relates to our timeline. Like Valentine's Day was near Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's sure. Day Storybook. Yeah. Valentine's Day for us. Yeah. And uh, um, what was the other thing? Mother's Day, although they didn't, they never said Mother's Day in Once Upon a Time. But, but that episode was all about mothers. Yeah. Yeah, it was the, the mother's kiss the of mother true love theme. thing on Mother's <laughs> Day. So I think that timeline is pretty much parallel. So yeah, Henry is now a year older. Emma has been in Storybrooke for a little more than a year at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that totally lines up. When they catch or take in Regina and they start questioning her and everything... David is speaking from what he remembers in Enchanted Forest when he says this. She's incapable of change no matter how many times we've given her the chance. Referring to all the chances they gave her back in Enchanted Forest. Yeah, and did you see the look on Regina's face whenever she was reacting to Emma saying that? Mm. Oh, you're saying like later on when they confronted her at the house? Yes. Yeah. It, it made me think, wow, this, she's probably thinking, this girl's mother and father said this when she wasn't even alive mm. yet. And I bet she was just kind of mentally thinking, wow, I haven't changed in this amount of time. And, and these people's child is now grown and telling me the same thing. I bet that hit her hard. And, and I also that, that... I bet that really shook her, her resolve, too. Mm to um to change but she was thinking wow i'm doomed to be this way forever and despite also how that, hard i try yeah and also that thinking of uh i'm doing it again i messed up again yeah because you see that several times in this episode that she does something that's very evil queen like yeah and then she pulls back and just suddenly realizes, no i'm sorry that's yes. not who i want to yeah be. she is Happened, apologetic three or four times probably yeah uh, somewhere around there. In this I love episode. how she just tossed the fairy dust at um, <laughs> Charming and Snow's feet. <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, she just caught it like, and tossed it like a ball at their feet. So she, I can see that she's changing. 
Mm-hmm. It's just everybody expects her to be the evil queen. Yeah. And um, I really admire that Emma, Emma is actually, was, um, hoping that Regina mm-hmm. would change and, and seeing the best in Regina. Yeah. Wanting to see the best in Regina. Emma knows that she's been wrong before. Yeah. With her. Well, not. Uh... Oh, oh. And something else I wanted to mention. What's that? Um, when they were questioning Regina and and Emma was in the room and, and she was watching Regina, I loved how they kept kept the uh, the human lie detector thing alive in Emma. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually make, you know, they didn't, didn't actually say that, but like she, it was definitely um, what she did right. in that room. Emma has felt that before and used it before, but she's worked against it sometimes. And her working against it has, I think, always proven to be the bad choice. Like locking up Hook. Even though she knew Hook was telling the truth, she locked him up and now Hook is an ally with Cora. I think Hook would have genuinely helped Emma. I if, don't know. Uh, but also look at like what happened with August. Back several episodes ago when she doubted August, but she was trusting Sydney. Some of that. When she gets too emotionally involved, yeah. she chooses to go against what she knows. Yeah, so she's she she understands that she can't trust herself all the time. Yeah. And you know, we do the same thing. When we get emotionally involved in something, mm-hmm. we go against often what we know is the right thing to do. And we're just seeing that play out in a slightly different way with Emma because her sense of knowing if someone's telling a lie is like what she actually knows, but sometimes she goes against it because her emotions are overpowering her and causing her to go against what she knows is probably right or wrong. When they go to see uh, Mr. Gold and Belle is there, Mm Mm-hmm. It looks like Belle and Mr. Gold are planning a picnic together. Well, yeah, they are. A nice, cute, little romantic picnic. Yeah. Which is really cute to see them <laughs> coming around and mm-hmm. their relationship developing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when, when Emma comes in and just starts talking to Mr. Gold, he says, you have your mother's chin. Does that sound familiar? Um, remind me. Well, what that should be remind me of <laughs> Mary Margaret had actually said something very similar oh. in an episode a while back. Remember when uh, Emma and Mary Margaret were talking? Uh, I'll let this. Um, I'll let. I love Nyman Marcus or Newman Marcus, one of our listeners, put this in their own words. She said again. I'm assuming this is a girl because this email ends with XOXO. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm currently rewatching the episode The Cricket Game and I have noticed a few things. First of all, Emma actually uses the term fairy tale land for the fairy tale realm where others called it Enchanted Forest. <laughs> this makes me wonder if the Enchanted Forest is only a distinct area that's mapped on the actual fairy tale land as a whole or if there are just different names for that world. Um, great question there. What We've kind of talked about this before. We kind of feel like Fairy tale land is everything, everywhere that magic is. I mean, we refer to it as as fairy tale land, but simply because we're normal people and we didn't know what to call it at first. I think Emma is just doing that because they're trying to um, identify her as a normal person yeah. who grew up with fairy tales. Right. 
Yeah, and, and everyone else refers to it as to the Enchanted Forest yes, because, because that's how they know it. Yeah, because they lived there. Yeah. So to clarify, the Enchanted Forest is like one land, one realm of fairy tale land. Fairy tale land is almost like a universe, yeah, a separate think of, universe. Think of Jefferson's hat with all the different doors in it. Exactly. Each of those are part of fairy tale land, like Wonderland. We've been to Wonderland in Once Upon a Time. So we fairy know it's land is another where the fairy tales land. happen. Yeah, <laughs> all exactly. the fairy tales. Yes, so it's it's not a problem there to refer to it in general as fairy tale land. We've yeah. started referring to certain areas as enchanted forest, mm-hmm. just to be more accurate, specific. Yeah, and specific. Thank you um, <coughs> to refer to that specific place of fairy tale land. But anyway, she continues with her email. Here's the main point I wanted to get to. Also, when Emma. Mary Margaret and David come into Mr. Gold's pawn shop to confront him about Archie's murder. Mr. Gar- Gold remarks how Emma has Mary Margaret's chin. Mm. This references back to the episode True North in season one, where after Emma tells Mary Margaret that Henry thinks she is her daughter. Remember, this happened on the bed. And it was the same yeah. section when uh, I remember. Emma said the fairy tales in his book aren't exactly the fairy tales that we grew up with. Mm. Mary Margaret jokes, well, you do have my chin. <laughs> she was just being silly, wasn't she, back then? Well, back then, I think she was saying, you kind of look like you have my chin. Um, <laughs> that's funny how they tied that of... together. Anyway, that's all I have to offer. If I think of anything else, I will be sure to let you know. Have a great time in Las Vegas, <laughs> and I hope to hear your next podcast. Hugs and kisses from I Love Nyman or Newman Marcus. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, and we have had a great time in Las Vegas, except for catching Being this sick. cold Ugh. and uh, losing voice, which for me was <laughs> dreadful because I was doing live video interviews yeah. and live streaming. If you want to check out the videos I did for the Consumer Electronics Show, I didn't do very many, but you can go over to tpn.tv if you are interested in electronics and want to check that out. I'll also have some videos over at theaudacitypodcast.com. You've been such a trooper here, Daniel. <laughs> He's been working even while sick. Yeah, that's that's what I do, dude. It's impressive. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, I haven't been sick, by the way, in like eighteen months. Literally. Yeah, me 18 too. Months. We've had great great health. Ironically, since I left my full time job and became <laughs> self employed. <laughs> that's because you haven't been around people and you <laughs> catch things. So uh moving on. We've had our health bubble. We've been in the health bubble. <laughs> The dream catcher that Mr. Gold pulls out, he says it's capable of catching memories mm-hmm. more than just dreams. I thought it was interesting that he used a dream catcher since Emma is like a dream catcher is in her past. Yeah. And I wonder if this is a, another hint that maybe Neil is also Balefire. Hmm. Because remember in the episode Tallahassee. Yeah. When they went into that hotel room and Emma finds the dream catcher, Neil says, uh, is it like uh, fly paper for bad dreams? (laughs) And he says, let's keep it. And the way he says it kind of seems like he has a deeper reason for wanting to keep it. I wonder if part of that is also that he somehow knows that dream catchers help uh, extract memories. And that's what he wants to do. Maybe he's trying to forget something. Maybe he wants it to extract memories so that he'll forget things. Or maybe yeah, I could be way off He was just being cute because she was so delighted to find that they left a dream catcher. Yeah. Um, so, and they, they like 
collecting stuff. Like you got her a keychain, remember? Yeah. <laughs> Stole it. They love collecting stuff. Look at the Dreamcatcher in Tallahassee, and I'll have show notes or pictures in the show notes at <laughs> oncepodcast.com slash 72. Look at the pictures of the two Dreamcatchers. They're not identical, so don't start looking at that, but they are very similar. The small Dreamcatcher that Mr. Gold used, and then the big Dreamcatcher that Emma and Neil found in the episode Tallahassee. Yeah. They're very similar in design, and it's not just a standard Dreamcatcher design. It's close. Uh, but there are, especially like the inner threads of the circle part of the Dreamcatcher, there are many different ways that that can be woven or designed, many different patterns that can be used. And it seems like the one that Rumpelstiltskin had is the same pattern as the one that Emma and Neil found. Different sizes, uh, the feathers or tassels at the bottom are clearly different. So these are not identical dream well, catchers dream but they catchers seem generally similar. do look the same well that's the thing they're not as similar as you might think because of that pattern especially inside the circle i looked up a bunch of images and saw they're like snowflakes basically you find all kinds of patterns yeah. but then again that's a good way to explain it like, could describe. just be a common pattern so i'm not yeah. gonna say they're connected but they i just could think be. i think it was cool that gold chose a dream catcher for emma to use mm-hmm and she used magic. She did. And he said that she had to will it. And that's how she could use magic Yeah, to make it work. Do you think she has the potential to be even more powerful than himself? Because I, she's the product of, mag- of um, true love. And yeah. there's no greater magic than true love, he said. I think so. Which is a little bit odd that Rumpelstiltskin is trying to bring this out of her. I hope he won't try and make her his minion like he did regina i don't know because i think rumpelstiltskin realizes that emma has the potential to be more powerful than him so you think he might uh sort of groom her to be his protection against maybe akora or regina in the future could be or it could also be maybe emma is the only one who's powerful enough to in a sense, kill Rumpelstiltskin, make him stop being the Dark One without her actually becoming the Dark One either. Or maybe she's the only one powerful enough to destroy the dagger or something or like that. He, or she could just be in a, powerful enough to break this new curse. Could be too. Yeah. Maybe he, well, he's, he's certainly not making an enemy of her. He's being nice to her and he's helping her. I think he just wants to stay on her good side because he sees how powerful she could become. Mm -hmm. And she still owes him a favor. She does. Yeah. Then, uh, did you also catch a little bit later, Regina learned that Emma could use magic. And this was the first time Regina knew. Yeah. She looked a little surprised. Yeah. And then she realized it made sense since Emma is the savior. But remember back in the premiere of season two, broken, when they were trying to get the hat to work, Regina was work. spinning it. Get it to work. <laughs> and Emma touched Regina, and then the hat worked. And oh, Regina yeah. definitely looked down at Emma's touch. Yeah. Regina's probably remembering that now slightly in some way, too. Uh, remembering that, well, Regina, it was when Emma touched her that the hat started working. So this could be something here if regina goes to cora now and sides with cora she may may tell cora 
be careful around Regina. Be careful around Emma, because Emma has magic now. Well, I mean, Cora knows she has magic. Remember, Cora tried to rip her heart out. Yeah, that's true. So, so Cora <coughs> might come back and say something about that to Regina. Yeah. So it's not going a good direction for either of them, really. Yeah. And um, Emma is actually starting to accept that she has magic. She's not easy yet, but she's she's definitely realizing that she has magic. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the last things here, when they all confronted Regina, mm-hmm. and Regina lost control again, Emma said this. You can pretend all you want, but we know how you are and who you will always be. Yeah. What painful words. I know. that That's the line I was talking about when Regina, when I was talking about Regina, just seeing that, it, and that a new generation is seeing that mm-hmm. about her. So it's like, oh, crap, I'm going to be this way forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no one's ever going to see good in me, even though she is... She is trying so hard. Mm-hmm. Now, we got some uh, listener feedback in. I think it would just crush her if Henry said that, because then that would be three generations oh, yeah. in a row yeah. telling her that. Well, and that's probably what she's really afraid of now, because when yeah. she cried, yeah. she was genuinely very hurt when yeah. she saw that Henry was uh, disturbed, mm-hmm. uh, when Henry was told about everything mm-hmm. and you know, from regina's perspective regina knows that this is a frame job on her that she, she does is being blamed and she knows that everybody has you know perfectly good reasons to blame her because she doesn't have the best track record mm-hmm. for for being innocent although now you know who else this gives her a connection to what mary margaret because regina framed Mary Margaret and Mary Margaret felt like everyone was against her, even though Mary Margaret knew it wasn't true. Hmm. And so now Regina has that connection. Maybe this might be something that can help her in her redemption later on. Yeah. Because she'll be able to connect in some way with Mary Margaret over that. It's going to kill me having everybody um, just, Ignorant to the fact that Cora is behind all this. It's going to kill me until Cora is revealed to everybody. Yeah. Uh, Michelle sent in an email saying some very similar things about the Dreamcatcher and Neil. And uh, how poignant also reminding us that when we saw Neil's apartment in New York City mm-hmm. in the premiere, that he still had that Dreamcatcher from Tallahassee. Maybe a possible connection. Aww. But uh, I love what Michelle said in her PS here. She said... I really thought Archie was dead and ran around the room shouting at the top of the, my lungs when they revealed that he wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Video or it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what your neighbors thought. Uh, seriously, you guys should be videotaping yourselves Please. when you're watching Once Upon a Time. Or someday you'll be able to use simul tv for that and, you know we can watch that you would be hilarious run around the room. that would be amazing maybe we could like we would have people who could watch it with us and we could all react to it together that'd be cool <laughs> once podcast.com slash s-i-m-u-l tv if you want to check out our sponsor big thanks to them uh, we got this email in from Windog saying 
I was looking at the Once Untold Stories app on Facebook and decided to look at Archie's files after the most recent episode. On the page about Rumpelstiltskin, Archie writes, Dangerous. Remember to destroy notes of earlier sessions. Better to have no records of his weakness. Yeah. I just thought it's interesting to note that Archie avoids writing anything, but still includes a bit about Rumpel's son at the end of these notes. That is, this is in the Facebook game. Oh, no. Not sure if it's significant, but thought it was cool that it matches up with what Cora wants. That is significant. Love the podcast and keep up the great work. Because if they know about Bay, they will know his greatest weakness and they can use it against him. Ah, yeah. I hope, I hope, um, was Bay mentioned in, in his, um, in his notes? It, it says a son oh, no. in the notes. And this is just in the Facebook game, but do also remember that in a past episode, it was in the episode, um, the return when August was pretending to kind of be Pinocchio. Yeah. That Rumpelstiltskin or Mr. Gold went to Dr. Hopper and did say he had a son. And Katie also brings up the same point. She says, hi, podcasters. After watching the cricket game, I had a terrible thought. Cora captured Archie and said that he knew the secrets of the town, including the secrets of Rumpelstiltskin. Archie doesn't know anything about the dagger, as far as we know, but he is the only person besides Belle who knows about the existence of Balefire. Before the curse was broken, Mr. Gold revealed to Archie that he had a son. What if Hook gets this information out of him? Hook knew that Rumpelstiltskin had a son with Mila, but I rewatched The Crocodile, and although Rumpel reproaches Mila for leaving Bay, he fails to mention that Bay was transported to another world. I'm going to pause here to point out that Smee knew that Bay was lost and that Rumpelstiltskin was looking for Bay. Really? Yeah, remember the whole, it's not nice to spread rumors. Yeah, yeah that, that was in that context yeah. of the conversation when Rumpel first met Smee back in the episode The Crocodile. I thought he was just saying that because because Smee knew so much about him and, it, and that he knew that at one point um, Rumpelstiltskin was a coward. Mm. Just a simple um, shepherd. Right. Uh, spindle shanks. <laughs> uh, Katie's email continues. Mila tries to bargain with the magic bean, but she and Hook were never aware of what he, Rumpelstiltskin, wanted it for. Yeah. If Archie reveals that Rumpelstiltskin not only had a son, but still has a son out there somewhere, mm-hmm. Hook might decide to go after him. Because and he totally could. Because he can leave Storybrooke. He can. Yikes. Yeah. Because who else in the realm could provide him with the information on how to kill Rumpel? Oh, my. After all, no one else knows about the dagger apart from August, who Hook doesn't know. And since Hook was not subject to the dark curse, he can leave Storybrooke without repercussions. Hmm. Kitsis and Horowitz confirmed that Cora and Hook are not bound by the town line like everyone else in a recent interview. So we were right about that. I don't know if that's in the official podcast. By the way, I'm way behind on my podcast listening. so I have no idea what else has been said about (laughs) Once Upon a Time. Um, He might even leave before Rumpelstiltskin manages to get across the line, giving him a head start. This theory theory may be a little far-fetched. I don't think so. But it worried me when it crossed my mind. What do you guys think? That that is that that makes me nervous. As always, thanks for the awesome podcast, Katie. Yeah. 
Thank you, Katie. Great theory. And I think there is a lot to that. Well, it's nice that Hook doesn't have magic. Yes. Oh, if he had magic, that'd be scary. That would be scary, because then he could go and find Bay and be like, poof. But what if Hook does become the Dark One? At some point. We, we He'd be an talked awesome about Dark this. One. <laughs> awesome. He would be an awesome Dark One. Awesome in this sense, I would he say. He would be a charming, sense, fearsome. witty Dark One. <laughs> Yeah. So that's our feedback for now. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts and uh, theories about this episode. Please email us. or Well, if you want to comment about this episode of Once Upon a Time, the cricket game, please go to the show notes, oncepodcast.com slash 72. Scroll down to the bottom and comment there. Or go to our forums, oncepodcast.com slash forums, to discuss with other fans in the forums over there. Because Podcast-wise, we're done podcasting about the cricket game. We're going to move on to the next episode this Sunday. So we'd love to have your feedback for that episode after you watch it. We will record it on initial reactions. It probably won't be live. And I'll be... uh, It might be a little bit late, too, like a day or two late, because we'll be still traveling back. (laughs) But we will be back to our live schedule starting on Wednesday (laughs) evening, January 16th at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time, that's GMT minus five, over at oncepodcast.com slash live. Now, Jenny, uh, before we wrap up this episode, anything else that you want to say about either Enchanted Forest or Storybrooke? Yes. I noticed a few kind of um, prop things. Um, Did you notice that the candle in Regina's jail cell looks a lot like the same prop they used in the nun's minor day candle sale? (laughs) Well, they got thousands of them after all. They're probably figuring out, where can we use a candle? Yeah. Yeah, I just noticed that. And I also, I was wondering about the crows in Storybrooke. Have they been crowing while Regina has been reformed? Yes. They have? Yeah. Okay. I I heard it in this episode, and it made me think, wow. Have I been hearing crows while Regina has been, you know, reforming? Because it would mm. it would be cool if the crows stopped while she was reformed. Yeah. Because, you know, the crows are kind of like a symbol of her evilness. Yeah. I could be wrong. But then again, we heard the crows definitely in this episode when they came to Regina. Yeah. To bring her in. And yeah. even at that point, she was still. She was she reformed. Was, yeah, but she, she lost reformed. her temper. Yeah. But that was after the close. Yeah, she was reverting. She or was ravens, whatever. Yeah, she at that point she was kind of reverting back. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think the crows are symbolic of her, of her mm. evilness. Could be. And I'm I'm wanting to think though we haven't been hearing the crows for Regina while she's been reformed in and, Storybrooke. And just in case anyone's wondering, sounds like that are not picked up accidentally. Because of the mic technology that they're Mm -hmm. using when they record TV shows, background noises are almost completely eliminated. And and many times, like especially whenever you hear music at a place, the music is never actually played while they're doing their acting. It's added. Yeah, it's always added afterward. So even like when you hear people yelling and they're pretending to be in a noisy crowd, Mm -hmm. the crowd noises are added afterward deliberate yeah so so stuff like the crows or ravens whatever they are uh, those are deliberately added in as well as the birds but the birds are just outdoor noise which is normal uh, video production for movies and tv shows and i noticed some timeline weirdness 
Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, we saw that Snow White and Prince Charming have a history with Rumpelstiltskin. We know that Rumpelstiltskin was imprisoned after he helped Snow and Charming gain safe- safety from the evil queen. He was later imprisoned by Cinderella and Thomas after after all this. Right. With the help of Charming, primarily out of Charming and Snow. So Charming did have a hand in that. Mm-hmm. Why did they choose to hide their identities when they went to Rumpelstiltskin's jail cell to ask about Regina's curse? doesn't really add up for me why they would do that and why the guard would say, if he knows your names, he has power over you, leading us to believe that this was their first encounter with Rumpel. I'm thinking it's because uh, it could be a slight production slip. I think it was due. Or, I got you. <laughs> or, I love it when that happens. It could also just be that after they were the ones who put Rumple in jail, then they, were they didn't want Rumple. Yeah, they were kind of ashamed and didn't want to go back and say, like, uh, I know we put how, you in da- jail, but can you help us out, please? How would they expect him to not recognize their voices? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they have had a history with him, and he knows them by name, and they know mm-hmm. him by name. It, it looks like... That is definitely, I think that's a production flaw because they, they were acting like they didn't know Rumpelstiltskin as well as they do, but that was in an earlier episode Mm -hmm. and it wasn't established back then how well they knew him. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're getting to see a little bit of history. Speaking about history, I am really interested in Cora's history just to see why she is the way she is. Yeah. Because she has been strongly influencing and even manipulating her daughter since we were introduced to her character. Even in present-day storybooks, she's still trying to control Regina. She seems to find her purpose in doing that, and I'd love to know why. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah there, there's a lot behind Cora, Like, the whole learning magic thing and how did she end up to be so powerful because i really think cora is more powerful than regina definitely and even rumple is afraid of cora in some sense i think i think i think the order of power goes like this cora rumple stiltskin regina really yes Mm. i i'm not sure i would actually say cora is more powerful than rumple but I would think she is a really good competition. Yeah. The whole maybe maybe it's a tie between Cora and Rumpelstiltskin. Because the- he really didn't want her to come back. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because he didn't have all his powers back or or because he's genuinely afraid that she can outmatch him. It's, remember, it's because he has a weakness, Belle. Oh, yeah. And he just doesn't want her around. Yeah. Because he does have a weakness. Because she is like anti-love. She believes that love is a weakness. Mm-hmm. And he has that weakness. Yeah, well, even he has said love is weakness, but now clearly he doesn't believe so. Well, he probably does. He probably just is trying to hide that weakness. Mm-hmm. He's not doing a very good job going on <laughs> picnics with Belle and yada yada. Yeah. Um, I have a prediction. What's that? I think from here that Cora will succeed in persuading Regina to turn back to her evil ways. And that, when it's too late, I think that's when people will see that, that um, Regina was truly reformed. I think it'll be too late. I think, I think um, it will be revealed. I mean, of course, they're going to have to find out that Dr. Hopper is, tr- is still alive. They're going to find out. Wait, wait, back up. So you're saying Cora will 
turn Regina evil again. I do, because Regina's going to turn to Cora because because Cora has manipulated Regina's circumstances oh, okay. to take everybody away from Regina. And that's she made it that way so that Regina would only have Cora to turn to. Mm-hmm. So she's Regina's going to be bitter towards everybody. And when that happens, I think everybody will suddenly realize that Regina really was innocent hmm. and that she was truly reformed. I think that's when they'll realize that Regina, that they were wrong about Regina. It'll be too late by that point because Regina will be long gone by then so, yeah, to the dark so side. They'll be regretful realizing we should have believed her. Yeah, they'll have a lot to apologize for. We should for. have helped her. Yeah. <sighs> I don't like where this is going. <laughs> it's it's a bit yeah. It's disappointing. I'm, I at this point, I do want to see Regina redeemed. But then again, I think she did have her chance, and her only next chance will be if she actually dies, gives sacrifices herself. That might be the only thing that could help her. But listeners, please keep our, keep our feedback information handy for after you see the next episode of Once Upon a Time or any episodes. You can send us feedback about those episodes. Again, like I said, we're finished talking about the cricket game for now. But you can send us feedback about future episodes by emailing feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. Or you can also go to oncepodcast.com and click on the send a voice message link to record a message right from your computer and send it to us. We love your feedback. Yeah. And we have one last voicemail here. I almost forgot to play, but this is from Chris. Hey, everyone. This is Chris from New York. I'm not 100% sure about the title. Maybe because Cora kind of sees this as a game that she's playing with Hook, uh, or maybe a game that she's playing with her daughter, Regina. I don't know, but a really good episode. You know, I'm loving the show so much. It's crazy in a good way. (laughs) You know, it's always got my blood boiling, especially when you have really crazy epic scenes like, you know, Regina using magic to push Emma away, to, like, push force her away. (laughs) Uh, the only other observation that I have to make is uh, that Regina, she says during a flashback scene, don't tell me what we can't do or something like that, totally reminded me of John Locke, and I wouldn't be surprised From Lost, by the way. if that were intentional. Actually, I do have one last observation to make. I'm feeling really, really sorry for Regina. I really pity her, and I know that I shouldn't because she's kind of getting what she deserves. I mean, she's made so many people miserable. And now she's being made miserable. I guess I've always kind of had a soft spot for Regina since the beginning because I suspected that there was something in her past that was making her uh, broken, if you will. And we did get to see that. And I pity her. I feel sorry for her because she is legitimately trying to change and trying to make a good impression on Henry. And Cora is ruining that for her. It's hard for me not to pity her. I've got a compassionate heart, I guess. (laughs) Thank you. This is, sorry, this is actually the email that inspired me to wonder about Cora's past. Oh. So thank you very much. Who was it that sent this? Chris. Chris, Chris from New York. Thank you. You inspired me. Thank you, Chris. And <laughs> if you see Neil walking around New York City, please let us know. Send us pictures or something. <laughs> Go up and ask him, hey, what's your job? Why do you have that dream catcher? Are you a firefighter? <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much. And everyone else, thank you so much for all the feedback and iTunes reviews. We really appreciate those. They really encourage us and they help other people find the podcast too. Thank you to Cody56, 
Katie Cat one two three four five and Jefferson's Apprentice <laughs> for leaving reviews for us in iTunes. Thank you so much. You can, if anyone else wants to leave a review for us in iTunes, write a written review would be great. And also a one through five star. We love five star reviews, but please be honest. You can go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. Even if you leave us a one star review and write something there, we will thank you for it. But we won't know who to thank unless you write a review. So please write a review for us in iTunes and tell other people what you like about the show. And it helps other people find us too. All reviews are valuable, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And we are so thankful. Even if you have something negative to say, we're thankful that you take the time to write it out. And sometimes it means creating an iTunes account, remembering your password or anything. So even if it's negative feedback, we appreciate that you are taking the time to say something. Mm -hmm. Sometimes (laughs) constructive (laughs) criticism is a good thing. So check out the show notes and screenshots over at oncepodcast.com slash 72. And you can follow us on Twitter. Like I said, we won't do, we probably won't do our initial reactions live on Sunday night because we're in Pacific time. And so by the time we get to watch the episode and after and try and record initial reactions, it's going to be late and we have to fly out really early the next morning. So we might record initial reactions and not even publish them yet until... I might be publishing them from the airport or we might record them on an airplane <laughs> or something. layover. Yeah. So uh, check that out though and watch for it at oncepodcast.com. Of course, you can still join us in the chat room or join anyone in the chat room who's there on Sunday for the Eastern and Central Time airing of the next episode of I'm Once excited. Upon a Time. Go to oncepodcast.com slash live to check that out. And thanks for bearing with us with our uh, voices and coughs and sniffles and lower audio quality. And our lower voices due to (laughs) weird throat things happening. Yeah, my voice is so much better today than it has been the last couple days. You could have done some of those trailers, like the Deep Voice trailer. I I should have said something like, next time on Once Upon a Time. (laughs) But I don't have it quite as well as I did earlier. Next time I get a bad voice, though, like that... I'm going to turn it into something profitable. I told you you should have done it at this time. You so had a really deep voice. This start time. placing your orders now. <laughs> if you would like to order a trailer voice for something, place your orders now. We can work out a price. And then if I get sick, then I'll record it and send it to you. How about that? Just don't pray that I'll get sick. Ah, no, and don't tell no me fun. something like, I need this right away. So can you go kiss someone who's sick? Because ah. I'm not going to. But thanks for listening. Check us out on the website and also follow us on Twitter over at twitter.com slash once podcast for our latest announcements, breaking news and stuff. Check out the forums at oncepodcast.com slash Twitter. And you can follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis and follow me at twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. And I'm Jenny and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. And follow our friend and co-host, Jeremy Laughlin, at twitter.com slash Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And until next time, remember, don't tell me what I can and can't do. Thanks for listening.
Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast, especially to our sponsors, Simul TV. Check it out to experience the next evolution in television and entertainment by going to oncepodcast.com slash simultv. That's oncepodcast.com slash S-I-M-U-L TV to test drive Simul TV today. And if you'd like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And now, for spoilers with Hunter. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here with your spoilers for the Once Podcast. Season 2, Episode 11, The Outsider, will air this Sunday. Directed by David Solomon and written by Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg. In Storybrooke, the dwarves want to go home. Back to Enchanted Forest. Also, Henry is concerned that Regina will want to take him with her if she goes back to the Enchanted Forest. And he doesn't want to go with her. The Charming family finds the need for a bigger home after what happened in last week's episode, so Mary Margaret and David are on the hunt for a bigger place. Mr. Gold thinks he's found a way to break the spell, keeping everyone in Storybrooke, but who is willing to try crossing the line? If it works, this means Gold will be able to go search for his son. Belle spots Hook in Storybrooke, and Hook and Gold meet for the first time in a long time. In past fairytale land, Belle meets Mulan, and they set out to fight a beast called Yeoguai, or something like that, who has been tormenting the land. And now for some casting news. Leslie Nicole, known for her role as Mrs. Padmore from Downtown Abbey, will be appearing later in this season. E.W. says she will be someone with a special connection to the Snow White family. With that being said, viewers will meet Snow White's mother later this season. Is there a connection here? Snowy's mother passed away when she was young. Eva, her mother, has a surprising connection to a character we already know. In the same two-part episode, Bailey Madison, the young Snow White, will be back. Oh, and one final piece of news I came across is that we're finally going to find out Charming's real name. That's all I have for you this week. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. Enjoy this week's episode.